Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. Alan Kohler here with this week's Crypto Watch, and I'm delighted to say it's Fred Shabesta, who's the founder, co-founder of um, Finder. And... Um, uh, for the past 18 months or so, year perhaps, he's been uh, engaged in cryptocurrencies. He launched HiveX, which is a exchange uh, for buying and selling cryptocurrencies, and recently um, gone into a partnership with Ivy Coin to set up Ivy Pay, which he's talking about as a off ramp and on ramp for um, cryptocurrencies to convert them into uh, fiat currencies. But look, he's a very smart guy and he's got some very interesting things to say about the future of the cryptocurrency world and what's going on there. And also pretty interesting things to say about advertising, which um, he became an expert in uh, through building Finder, Um, a lot of which was done on TV advertising, which is unusual for digital businesses, but that's what he did and it's worked pretty well. So here's Fred Shabesta, the co-founder of Finder and also the co-founder of Hivex. Fred, just before we get into the interview, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge um, what a fantastic job you and Frank, your partner, Frank uh, Rostuccio, Rostuccio, have done um, building this business over 12 years, going global, um, launching other things and retaining full ownership of it. I mean, most of the people I talk to on this sort of thing are having first round, second round, third rounds of investors. Uh, but you guys have uh, have kept it to yourselves and, and funded internally. I think it's fantastic. So well done on that. Thank you. Thank you. It's not 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 easy, but um, you get there. Well, I just uh, I know it's not easy, and and I just wonder is that something you've that's just that's just happened because you know simply because Finder.com.au threw off so much cash early on, or is something something you really you and Frank decided you really wanted to do? We keep things simple, and it works like this, Alan. Is that I don't like selling people things that I don't haven't tried and done myself. So, if I was to get investment into Finder, I would want to ensure that I've proven the model. And when we took the business to the US and the UK, and we've re regrown the model again, and it's and it's playing out in a similar way. That's when I knew I could stand there and say, yeah, if you were to give us money or invest in Finder. I know that it's not a fluke. We didn't do it once. We've done it twice, three times, and I back this. and And you can, you know, st- I can stand by my word. So, are you thinking now of IPOing or not? I think maybe not today, but maybe down the track. I think, yeah, I think it should be. Should we? We should allow people in Australia to invest in hopefully what is it was it a, te- a tech giant of 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 Australia. Because one of the things, one of the interesting things you did was, um, you know, it's basically a new economy product, but you you uh, marketed it via largely by the old economy and TV, uh, which was interesting and expensive. Yeah, it was not cheap, not cheap at all. But I think a lot of people still watch TV. It was, I, I don't watch TV, but, but, but a lot of people still do watch TV. And you just got to, you know, I'm not the customer. And, and you just got to be, you know, empathize with your customer and help them find your product, you know. So tell us about how you and why you moved into cryptocurrencies. What uh, what sparked your interest and um, what and how did you go about 
deciding what to do. Yeah, so back in, I think it was uh, July, August, I was in New York and we were building the US business and we're working really, really hard there. July, July, August when? This year? Last year. Last year, right. Yeah. And I was sitting there and I was like, I was just constantly hearing this talk about Bitcoin all the time. I'm like, like, what is this Bitcoin thing? And I was like, I was like, let's go and write some pages about Bitcoin and Ethereum and all this stuff and let's just do it. Just do it right now. And that's what we do do really well at Finder. We find something of interest that people want to get into and we get into it real quick and we we start comparing it, right? So we, we banged up some pages and these pages started taking off. And I'm like, wow, this is a thing. Um, and then were I, these, I were these uh, Fred, were these comparison pages or just um, yeah, content stuff? Where to buy Bitcoin, where to buy Ethereum. And so we compare all the different exchanges as to where you can buy the different coins because you can't buy all the, all the coins from all the exchanges. Um, right. And so we were helping people basically and understanding, writing educational guides. What is Bitcoin and how do you buy it and how do you store it and writing about the wallets and things like that. And then I invested in Bitcoin November 2017 and I rode it all the way up and then I sold everything and then I bought back in and I sold everything and I bought back in and I sold everything. And I, I guess I, I, in, in the end, I don't know if I've probably come out probably a little bit down, probably, I don't know, might be even not, not in a great situation because I just rode it all the way. Yeah, it, 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 I think everyone sort of not had the best experience over the last, last, last few months. And but through that experience, what I learned was it was really hard to get big amounts of money in and big amounts of money out. So I decided to open up this OTC desk, Hivex, where we 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 make prices for people and people can buy and sell, um, you know, their their whatever it is. But we'll, we'll make a price for them and and um, trade it with them. And and that that idea and that concept for me just it just solves so many issues within cryptocurrency getting money in and getting money out which has always been an issue um and i just wanted to get, yeah get that done so is hivex a kind of market maker in cryptocurrencies yeah yeah we'll make a price for you um um on bitcoin ethereum bitcoin cash litecoin eos whatever it may be and um you know we just make it happen so when you say you make a price, do you do you actually physically buy buy the uh, currency, or um, or do you find a buyer? Yes. Yeah, no, we'll we'll also find a buyer as well. Um, we might want to offload some risk, or we might take some risk depending on how it goes. But te- we tend to find other buyers at the time, um, and um, that tends to be how we how we roll. But um, sometimes, yeah, we don't. But right now. Um, I'd say most of our orders are in Bitcoin or Ethereum. People are really, they're really loading back up on on Bitcoin right now. Um, and do you make a spread? Yes, yeah, so it's about one percent. About one percent. Oh, sometimes it's less. Sometimes a little more, depending on how volatile it is. Because um, sometimes the markets are moving so wildly, it's very hard to pin down the price. If that makes sense, and we just have to cover our risk. So you mentioned that um, people are loading up on Bitcoin again right now. Uh, tell us what's going on in the market. Yeah, and I think, you know, you look at last night, Ethereum took a big hit. Um, Bitcoin's got went up and Ethereum went down. And I think some of these things are playing out because you've got all these ICOs that have raised all this Ethereum. 
Um, and a lot of those projects, to me, I don't think a lot of a lot of them are have, have gone you know to near zero. A lot of people have lost 90, 95 percent. So that's all playing out. That music stopped. The whole ICO flipping thing. And those people really, they came from that. That Ethereum came from other people when they flipped on ICO and they made you know 10, 20x. And the next ICO came along and they just you know they just threw in another you know. 50 ethereum or whatever 20 ethereum from what they've already made in profits they didn't really care and so this whole cycle continued but after a while the bad actors called onto it and and, and i think that whole show and that whole you know stage has stopped and all these icos now are worried that the prices are going to go down even further and they won't be able to build anything there's some real projects out there and they're all dumping their ethereum and that's what's causing the market i think to go down um but bitcoin's going up because People will see it as a store of value. They see it as gold. And um, we're seeing a lot of people, you know, really lean into that. And, um, you know, and it's working well for them. What do you think about the argument between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash in particular? Well, yeah, I never get I never get too involved with this. Um, I, it, I, I understand that they had to fork it in order to solve a a problem with in terms of um you know throughput and things like that but uh, to, to me that was that's not what bitcoin was designed to do i don't think bitcoin is a is a currency bitcoin to me is a store of value it's like gold and i think bitcoin you know they rolled out the segwit and i think segwit's doing a great job that's reduced transaction fees and it's reduced transaction time dramatically i think that was solving a short-term problem personally that I don't think long term needed to be, you know, it was going to be solved anyway. And so, yeah, I'm not sure whether Bitcoin Cash to me now is more of a of a hedging tool that you can use against Bitcoin rather than anything else. Um, yeah, obviously, Roger Ver says that Bitcoin Cash is going to be the future of payments rather than. I mean, uh, I'm not sure about Bitcoin as a store of value and gold, but. Um, do you think that the the kind of contest, to some extent, is about which one of them becomes uh, the mechanism for payments? I don't think either of them are fast enough. Neither of them are fast enough to do payments. Um, a, a currency tends to be a representation of a store of value, right? You know, our money these days was represented by a store, you know, by gold. It was backed up by gold. That's what currencies, all currencies start at zero and go to zero all throughout history. Um, you know, that's just a fact because they're not actually worth anything. They're just a representation of something else. And so the, the I don't think the stable coin or the, the currency, it's probably going to come to me out of one of the, um, one of the protocols, you know, I don't know whether it's Ethereum, it might be EOS, it might be Hashgraph, it might be Algorand, it could be any any of these. But I think a stablecoin will potentially come out of that because they can handle the volume of transactions. It's a huge number of transactions you're going to need. Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, to me, they don't move as quickly enough from a development perspective, and they're not designed, to, for me, to be of a world currency. It's just I don't think it's possible. Well, I note that you've uh, chosen to do a deal with Ivy, Um uh, to create something called Ivy Pay, um, which mm. and Ivy is uh, on my list of cryptocurrencies, number three hundred and sixty-five on the list. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly not up there in terms of market cap. But um, is that because you think Ivy is fast enough? Well, I think 
Uh, I recall you trying to solve a real world problem, and that is that banks um, are still using this SWIFT system. And and, and I'm not I, I'm not I'm not running for me. I'm not involved with the actual. Um, execution of the technology with Ivy Coin. I'm just focused on Ivy Pay, and Ivy Pay is really a smaller version of where we're trying to build an on on and off ramp of cryptocurrency um, into money and out of money, and then eventually just replace the whole thing with with the Ivy token. Um, it's a three step process basically to to to, to solving that problem of international payments, um, and Ivy Pay is is going to be a real just, a, just an actual product. You know, we're, we're about to, we are going to roll that out and um, we're working very, very hard on it right now. Um, and, and and to me, the, the, the some of the things, you know, I guess Ivy Coins had a, a tough ride in terms of market cap and things like that. But if you look at it carefully, all their team are locked up invest, investing. All of their, uh, most of their partners are locked up in, in investings and they've voluntarily gone into vestings. I think it's, I think it's absolutely that they are committed to delivering that. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? Locked up into vestings. So they 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 their tokens are, uh, are frozen. Basically, they can't they can't do or sell. Right. Could, could you explain what you mean by off ramp and on ramp, which is fundamental to what you're doing with Ivy Pay? Yeah. So I guess the first step for us is we're going to build an on ramp. Uh, sorry, an off ramp, so people can send cryptocurrency to Ivy Pay, and then money will appear in their bank account. Um, well, actual actual dollars as opposed to correct. cryptocurrency, right? Correct. And then the on-ramp is we're going to do the opposite. We're going to allow people to basically um, just to just basically have their bank account, and they can they can get we can credit their bank account, and they can have receive cryptocurrency into their wallet. Um, and then if you tie those two things together, so an on-ramp and an off-ramp. Which is essentially what 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 um, you know Swift is doing. They're basically you're 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 sending money from one bank account to another. So you, you you put those two systems together, and then what we thought is the third iteration of that is you just remove that entire system and you just use the IB token to transfer money around the world between banks, and that's their ultimate goal. That's what they're trying to do with their white paper. They're trying to basically instead of using Swift. And settling them with you know those those interbank accounts, you can just use Ivy Coin. So this is not a, a consumer product; it's for banks. That's right. That's right. Initially, it, it will be for consumers to be a proof of concept, so that the Ivy Pay is really uh, uh, an execution of using Ivy Coin. Um, but long term, no, it's it is designed to for banks to to work with each other with Ivy Coin. And presumably, it, um, it takes place at a um, at today's exchange rate between money and Ivy Coin. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So they, the 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 we do the exchanging of uh, cryptocurrency into uh, fiat currency, and each transaction that happens on Ivy Pay burns five percent of that transaction fee. Um, so in other words, it's reducing the overall supply and we've bottled out the tokenomics on that and it will, um, you know, support the price of Ivy coin because as more transactions happen, more coins are burned. But nevertheless, all cryptocurrencies, uh, are volatile in their price. How do you solve that problem? Well, you know, it, the, these transactions are happening in, in the moment. So, um, you know, 
I think if you're going to zoom out a second and uh, like that's that's something which is obviously apparent um, in all currencies, in all cryptocurrencies. And even if you look recently, you know, look at the the Australian dollar just dropped a cent against the US dollar yesterday. And I think if you look at Turkey, that's you know, those currencies are moving vol- in a volatile manner as well, right? If you were holding, um, we even had the same problem. We we're trying to buy US dollars the other day and we got caught out because the Australian dollar dropped so fast. Um, which is really, really annoying. Um, so that, those, that exists in, in all currencies, right? And the, the way you tend to deal with that is just through hedging. And you can do that. Um, and that's something which we're trying to, I think you might have, I'm not sure if you've seen uh, my release recently about building a crypto bank in Australia, is that we're going to release a, an insurance product to insure um, uh, the price of uh, cryptocurrencies. So essentially, someone can, you know, people can pay a certain amount of money and we'll lock in the price of your cryptocurrency um, for you. Just you mentioned a crypt, building a crypto bank in Australia. I, just, I would like to move on to that now. Now, you, you uh, as I understand it, um, made a personal investment into a business called Goldfields Money, yep. which is an ASX-listed company. Now, uh, since I think since you went in there, uh, there's been a, a bit of a, um, a takeover contest. Kim Cannon came in and uh, tried to buy it and then got rebuffed, and somebody else is going on in there as well. And are you are you a, a spectator to all this, or are you getting involved? Uh, I'm a spectator. I I I don't seek to take over. I'm not a takeover kind of person. I'm a I'm trying to build a digital bank. I'm a builder, Alan. I build things. Yeah, but why uh, did you buy into why did you buy into Goldfields Money? Well, I think it's because I saw it as being a digital bank, and I also saw them as being one of the smaller banks that could actually start to be positive about um, cryptocurrency because the big banks are not really that positive about it, right? Even though Westpac owns part of Coinbase, which is kind of weird. Uh, they, the, 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 the gold builds money, what we've been able to do is we've been able to open up um, ICO and cryptocurrency companies' bank accounts with them. So they are pro-crypto. And there are, there are several banks in the US that are similar to that, like Signature Bank, Silvergate um, and, and, and Bank of Silicon Valley. And I see Goldfields as being the potential to, to be small enough and nimble enough to be able to take on this market and bank these companies. Do you think it's going to end up being taken over by someone? I think so. I think there's pretty, pretty strong two, two, two competitors seem, they, they got pretty deep pockets, it seems to me. And, I, I, as I said, I didn't really, you know, I'm not really a, I work with both those companies, you know, I'm, I'm, they've both got a similar vision. And so I'm on board with that, but, um, I can't, yeah, I, I'm not there to take over anything. Right. But, um, so, uh, what is a crypto bank? How does it work? You know, I think it's a similar, <clears throat> it offers similar services to what an, a, a bank, a real world or real world, <laughs> what a real world. A, a, a bank <laughs> as opposed office. to the as opposed to the unreal world. Yeah, the imaginary world. Well, it's all imaginary money anyway, right? Like all banks uh, have imaginary money in there. They don't actually have the cash in their bank. You you can't go and get that money from. They don't have it. You'd have to go and unwind every single person's mortgage and house, and it's just not not there, right? So it is imaginary, as just as imaginary as as anything else. Don't tell um, me that. Don't tell me that, Fred. Dear idea. So, so sorry for bringing the reality, Alan, into the conversation. Um, but 
we're offering we're opening bank accounts so you can do fiat to to to, to crypto transfers um we'll try and offer obviously exchange we're offering that uh, insurance products so you can insure the price of your cryptocurrency custodian chip so we can store it um and money transfers so you can transfer um easily money from one currency to another and then quick and then easily into um um a different cryptocurrency you can change it in and the reason for that is that there are different prices um with um with with the, the different cryptocurrencies um pairing with different you know um so say with the euro versus the us dollar they have different um liquidity levels they don't they, don't, they actually have shared order books right now and so you get different prices and different amounts of liquidity so um throw your mind 10 years forward fred what does it what does it look like 10 years Whew, that's like that's okay, all right. Going, that's Five, going from then. the Jurassic to the Triassic period, Alan, in um, <laughs> in know. cryptocurrency. I um, know, but well, I'm just trying to, you know, when things settle down, obviously there's a lot of activity now. I mean, there's a lot of people trying to solve the problems that you're trying to solve, you know, um, mm. get off on ramps and off ramps. You, you've got a particular way of deal, dealing with it. Lots of people are doing it. There's tons of these cryptocurrencies. There's ICOs. You, you reckon that's finished now and Ethereum's on the nose. But, I mean, Bitcoin's rising. I mean, all this stuff, where are we, where's it going to end up? Or is it, is it ever going to end up anywhere? So what's going to happen in my mind um, is – um, you know, there's a large amount of infrastructure that's being constructed in cryptocurrency and, and, and in the blockchain space, in these public ledgers. And what's needed now are real-world applications that can take advantage of that infrastructure. So if you cast your mind back to the internet, right, we're kind of in 96, 97, when there was, you know, people stopped laying broadband cable because they thought we're never going to need that much. Um, and now you've got a problem where the internet's actually quite slow because people just didn't lay enough cable um, back in the day, right? And in, in the same way, that's because no one imagined the, in, the application of the internet could have um, been used for, right? And I think the same thing will happen um, in this space is that right now, I remember because I was building websites back then. I remember thinking about all the ideas, and I was like, "Well, there's not, you know, you can't load a video. You know, there's no point in building YouTube because we had dial-up modems. Like waiting for a video was impossible, right? And and you look at that, you know, when you when some of these applications like games and um, all sorts of different things can't be run on Ethereum because it's just too slow. That's just not a reality. But some of these new protocols and new blockchains will enable an actual Cambrian explosion of applications and real-world things that we can use for the blockchain. And a lot of those things, I think, will come back to um, identity. Some of them will come back to, um, um, you know, uh, obviously money transfers has got to be a massive thing. I think banking is going to be affected. And then the next thing I think is going to be affected is how people trade stocks. You know, security tokens are just going to be unbelievably massive in terms of how they are used. I think people are going to, when they, instead of incorporating a company with shares, paper shares, you'll just incorporate with tokens. And that, that way you can easily transfer those tokens and transfer ownership between people. And then when you go to list it, you just put it on a cryptocurrency exchange, and um, which is a, you know, a registered one. And then 
then you're, you're you're trading it. And then this whole idea of all this cost of IPOs and all this kind of stuff, I think will um will, will decrease. And the globalization of equity, I think, will start to take place. So you could buy a company no matter where you are in the world. Like it's really hard for Australians to buy Google shares. You got to you know got to do all this stuff to go and make it happen, right? Whereas why is that the case? It should be the case. You know, you should be able to buy whatever company you want. And I think that's that's what the future potential world will look like. That's very interesting. I mean, because at the moment, well, up to this point, the the IPO and the ICO have been seen as quite different things. And, you know, uh, obviously the ICO has, has been seen as a, um, oh, I don't know, a bit of a cowboy area. And mm. it kind of has been, um, mm. but you're but you're saying that the whole area will merge, are you? That the tokens will become equity. Yeah, so security tokens will will really start to come into effect soon. Uh, there already are a few security tokens, and they they aren't allowed to be listed on certain exchanges. They're only ex- traded on on some very very um, some when smaller you, exchanges. When you say security token, you mean a token that represents equity. Correct. Yep. Or it pays dividends. Um, it's it's a financial instrument, just like a normal share. And and what which what are they? Um, what name one? Uh, so one one is called Nexo. It's a lending coin, and it pays dividends. Um, it pays a percentage of its interest that it earns from lending out crypto, lending out money from um, staking with cryptocurrency. So basically, they make uh, you margin your cryptocurrency, and you get you get cash. And then the interest they charge, they pay part of that to the token holders. Um, you know, you can uh, you can tokenize an entire company. I read the Corporations Act, and I wrote, I've written a white paper basically <clears throat> about you can actually right now with the current Corporations Act, you could write a constitution which would mean that you would have tokens representing a sec- the security of the company, and issue those tokens as the shares and hold them in a wallet, just like you would any other share. Um, and I think that will that that that's just I think a trend that will start to happen in the future. And a lot, there's been a lot you, of you, uh, to make this. You you read the Corporations Act? Yeah, yeah, I just got it out and read it, and and I found the section about issuing shares, and there's a section um, essentially which describes that you know to to create a corporation, you've got to in Australia, you've got to um, have securities that represent the value of the shares, and I, I, well, if you if you make the security of that a token, then you would you would essentially in effect create the exact same representation um, that you need to, to to tokenize a company and, and and list it on a cryptocurrency exchange and trade it just like the stock market. And and how different would the trading of those tokens be? I mean, uh, and the reason for doing that, I presume, is because it's much easier to trade tokens than it is to trade shares. Is that right? Much easier. Yeah, and all the clearing <clears throat> can be. You know, and all the clearing and attribution and identity can be tied back to a smart contract attached to the attached to those tokens. Um, and then, and and if you go go a step further, you can trade, um, you know, up to eight decimal places or whatever it may be of a token, and you can own of that company now. And and when a company needs to talk to its shareholders, it can just send a message down um, through the, the tokens, as opposed to the you know, it costs huge amounts of money to speak to shareholders. And most most companies have no idea who their shareholders are. Zero idea because it's all co- it's all collated in a different company. You know, you have to go and speak to another company to speak to your shareholders, and that that's just reality. Whereas you could just send a message to your token holders through a smart contract and speak to them. Well, that's very interesting. <laughs> I must say. So, so you're actually talking about a world in which um, cryptocurrencies 
as we call them now, um, become part, become everything really. Yeah, I think tokenizing companies. I mean, there's a there's a company there's a, there's a coin called Ravencoin. You should have a look at that. It 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 is all about tokenizing companies. You know, they say, and, and it's and it's being built. It's going to roll out in October, and people are going to build their companies using it. This is you know, and then you've got um, security exchanges like T Zero um, coming out. Um, uh, Templum, you know these these are these are these are going to be the places where you trade securities that represent um, value, and, that, and that's the problem with ICOs. I saw in the beginning is all these utility coins. It's like it's like you're going buying time zone tokens, right, to go and play the machines. That's that's essentially what people were buying and speculating on. Whereas these security tokens will represent value and represent an interest in the company or a dividend. Or you might tokenize a fund, or you might tokenize a whole pile of gold or copper, or whatever it may be, and then people can go and trade that. It's interesting because all of the focus, obviously, has been on Bitcoin, yeah. um, and it is, and it's further interesting that it's you know for several months now it's been uh, stable, more or less, at around just above six thousand uh, US dollars. Mm. I mean, do, how long do you think that's going to persist for? What 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 do you think will happen to Bitcoin itself? So if you look at a logarithmic graph of the you know what they call the the halvening or where the difficulty of mining bitcoin goes up in other words right now people get 12.5 bitcoin um, for every block that they successfully mine um in about 2020 um the next halvening will happen um i'm not exactly sure what the exact precise date is um and that's when only 6.25 bitcoin will come out and and if you look classically at every single time that that difficulty has gone up, immediately Bitcoin will rise. So the the, the the quantity supply of Bitcoin coming out will be decreased. There'll be less Bitcoin for miners to sell. And my my forecast there would be that and this is not financial advice, Alan, but would be that Bitcoin price will go up dramatically again, logarithmically. In uh, 2020. Correct. And uh, presumably at that point, it'll also start chewing up the entire world's energy supplies. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And, 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 and my view on that is, is actually finally we're talking about the energy production of computers. Like how many computers does Telstra, Optus, um, Amazon, Microsoft, Google have just sitting there whirring away without any consideration about the energy production that they're using. How much energy does BHP use spinning up servers in its office? AMP, Commonwealth Bank, all these companies doing sometimes absolutely nothing but other part from being turned on in case something was to happen. My my what I love about Bitcoin is finally we're talking about energy production. And if you look at all the great miners as to where it's being mined, it's being mined next to hydroelectric dams next to volcanoes next to solar farms finally we're actually talking about how we produce energy i think bitcoin is actually going to start the revolution of cleaning up energy as opposed to um yeah destroying it like and and that's what should have been done ages ago like like why doesn't why doesn't why don't what's happening inside commonwealth bank right now with air servers alan what's going on i don't know Are you asking me or you're going to tell me I don't know. No one's asking any questions about how many computers they're putting on to to run and do it, you know, 
activities that are that are maybe potentially inefficiently done um, and they could be done more efficiently. I think finally Bitcoin is going to clean up energy. That's my view. Just before we finish, I, I, um, I'd like to get your views on advertising because you know you, you um, in building mm. Finder, you um, uh, I think did a lot of work on what works in mm. advertising. Mm. And, um, you know, you spend a fair bit of money on TV and I think you now understand how TV works mm. um, and versus, versus um, you know, modern digital kind of advertising. Uh, do you think that TV has a future at all? And, and, and also what about other traditional forms of advertising? You know, I think that, and I've said this um, publicly before, that I think unfortunately or fortunately, um, broadcast television is slowly that audience is shrinking. Now people still switch on their TV and they they have it on the house because um, you know humans don't like to be lonely, um, and they like that noise in the background, right? And what we decided was is is our audience, um, you know, they like to watch TV still, and the majority of them. So we use that medium in that sense. Since then, I think we've we've sort of you know really spoken to that audience, and we've got high awareness with that. But I think going forward, the future channels, I don't think television will be as strong, nowhere near as strong as it is. It, it is to me a shrinking medium. I think you look at the newspapers these days. I remember when the newspapers used to be huge pieces of 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 data and information, and now you know you look at the AFR on a, on a weekly basis or whatever it may be, and it's it's quite a thin newspaper. I've even, you know, I think there's only one or two ads in it now. Um, now, having said that, I think there are audiences that do market to that audience, if you know, that are still reading those those mediums, and there always will be around for quite a long time. You know, people still use fax machines, would you believe? Um, but my view on it is that that I think we 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 saw that medium and we wanted to become you know a really strong player in that medium and now we look at every other medium and we'll do the same thing we'll go through each one of them and uh, find a way to communicate really well and and that's why you know I made the jingle because I think jingles work with TV people love jingles they've always loved jingles throughout time and that's why we we made that um, and um, maybe one day it'll go down in the history of of Australia that jingle but you know. We'll it should, no doubt about it. It definitely should. It's it's uh, drives me crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> what um, uh, just what do you think about the future of the uh, of, uh, digital advertising, Facebook and all Google and all that stuff? I mean, is that does that actually work? Is it going to is is it going to you know take over? You know, I think people now become very aware of their personal data. And I left Facebook in 2012 because I didn't want my data to get sold. That's seven years ago. Um, I, don't, I just don't want to be creeped on like that. And I think people are becoming really, really hyper aware of that. And there are, there are um, a lot of... Um, People who don't mind, they don't care. They don't mind if their data gets used for whatever purpose it may be. And instead, um, you know, um, they just want the service that, that they're getting, they're trading their data for and they're fine with that. I think that um, Facebook 
is like a really popular bar and everyone went to it and now it's becoming less and less popular and they're going on to other bars if you know what i mean and that would be like instagram and uh, whatsapp and uh, wechat and things like that i think e-commerce is going to move into these chat apps i think people are going to really stay 100% into their app even more and they're going to build more and more services and I think WeChat is is literally light years ahead with that. I think payments are going to happen in there as well. Um, and I think Google's always going to keep going because people have questions. You know, you want to know um, there's health questions, there's finance questions, there's all sorts of questions about life that, that Google tends to answer and I don't think that'll go away. And people want to anonymously always browse on the internet. That, I don't think that's ever going to go away. Some people, sometimes people don't want to know what, they don't want to show other people what they're, what they're searching. Uh, they don't want to get into that. And I think the reason for that is, and that's what the, the whole basis of the internet was built on, is that anonymity in the beginning of the internet. And I think that will continue on. And that's why Google will continue on. Whereas I think Facebook sort of dipped its hand too many times in the privacy cookie jar and people are, have gotten a little too concerned. And I think you're going to see an exodus away from Facebook into other mediums of socializing without it. That don't, don't uh, invade your privacy, you mean? Correct. Hmm. We'll have to leave it there, Fred. It's been great talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Alan. That was Fred Chibesta, the co-founder of Finder and the co-founder of Hivex and Ivy Pay. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch Market Wrap with market commentator Saeed Sadawi. The biggest news this week is the continued hype surrounding the impending IPO for the cryptocurrency mining giant Bitmain, planning to raise as high as US $18 billion via an IPO on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. If successful, Bitmain's IPO will be larger than Facebook's original IPO of US $16 billion. An interesting development during the week, however, has been a spike in rumors originating from a leaked balance sheet detailing Bitmain's cryptocurrency holdings. Currently in possession of almost US $600 million or 5% of the entire Bitcoin Cash circulating supply, rumors suggesting some ulterior motives to the IPO are spreading like wildfire. Continuing to dip their toes into blockchain this week, Microsoft has added two patent applications based on the blockchain, specifically within the use of what's known as Trusted Execution Environments or TEAs. Tees can be used to assist with a number of factors, including the verification of transactions. In addition, earlier this week, Microsoft's cloud platform Azure introduced what's known as proof-of-authority consensus algorithms on its Ethereum-based product. This reportedly allows for a more efficient way of building decentralized applications for both private and consortium networks. Microsoft has continued to make waves in the world of blockchain. The US Securities and Exchange Commission has postponed its decision for a Bitcoin ETF until September 30 at the latest. The highly anticipated VanEck SolidX Bitcoin ETF delay was a heavy blow to the market, triggering an unprecedented sell-off continuing even into the new week. And finally, some local news this week from the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, mandated by the World Bank to arrange a bond issue exclusively on the blockchain. Quoted as the first bond globally to be created, allocated, transferred and managed utilising blockchain technology, the ComBank is said to be utilising a private adaptation of the Ethereum blockchain. 
And now onto the market wrap up for the week, an absolutely devastating blow to the entire market this week with over US 60 billion or 25% pulled from the market, nothing was safe. This is what's known as capitulation or the selling to just get out of the market, triggering heavy declines and massive selling volume all evident in the majority of projects. As Bitcoin dominance accelerated throughout the week, currently sitting at a comparatively massive 53.5%, it's up almost 7% in this week alone. The last time Bitcoin dominance hit these levels was late 2017, which led to that unprecedented month-long alt explosion. As usual, Bitcoin has set the tone for the rest of the market this week, failing to hold US 7,000 in the wake of the ETF delay blow. Bitcoin has been trending in the low US 6,000 since and has become the short-term key level defended by the bulls. Weekly performance for alts this week has been comparatively far worse than Bitcoin, as expected from the rise in Bitcoin dominance. Weekly drops of 15% to as high as 50% are common among much of the top 100. This week's belt capitulation at its finest, folks. However, there's been some convincing bounces across the majority of projects, which has provided some relief to participants with strong buying volume across the board evident this morning. And the majors Ethereum, Ripple, Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin have, as expected this week, taken a beating. Down on average, wait for it, around 30%. And that's all for the weekly wrap-up. I'm hoping for a better performance next week, guys. I'm Sayed Sadawi, and I'll see you next time. Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. Our theme music was written and recorded by Broke for free.